You're listening to On The Fly, a place for real talk about real life and how we're better when we do it together. I'm your host, Tina Hutchison, and I'm here to celebrate you. I hope you join the conversation as we're all seeking just to discover our own unique purpose in this life. Thanks for listening. And as always, I hope you live inspired. Today on The Fly welcomes as our guest, Nasa Taylor. Nasa is Director of Communications for the Tennessee Department of Correction. And before she worked for state government, she spent 15 years as the Emmy Award-winning assistant editor of WTVF, which is News Channel 5, located in Nashville, Tennessee. Nasa would be described as a creative communicator, a strategic leader, uh, a really important uh, role that she plays within our state government. Now, in addition to that, she's also a mother She's a wife. She is a person who is a civic leader. She works with many nonprofits, most of which advance the causes of minorities, women, and children. And the way she lives her life, the principles that she applies, is nothing short of inspiring. She moves through this world with a boundless determination that I think we can all learn something profound from. And so I'm thrilled to have her as my guest. Now, I will tell you that um, always when we do interviews, sometimes audio can be a little quirky. And there are a few clicks and little uh, noises that you're going to hear in this interview. They come and go throughout. Uh, Just bear with it because I'm telling you it is worth your time. It is worth the listen because you'll carry something beautiful away. Here's my friend, Nasa Taylor. Nasa, welcome to On the Fly. I'm so glad that you chose to be my guest today. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, we have, we've known each other for a few years now, and I just know what an incredibly hardworking woman you are. So I know this time is valuable, and I really appreciate just getting insight into how you approach your life. I think a lot of our listeners are really going to have some great takeaways from you. Well, good. I hope I can be of use here. So thank you. Absolutely. All right, so let's just kind of talk about you know, we've already heard all the credentials you carry. Obviously, at the Tennessee Department of Correction, you have enormous responsibility and juggle many things. But as a person, kind of tell us a little bit just about who you are. Well, I am a married mother of four. I have I'm a husband who's a, office, a police officer, and I have four children ranging ages from 17 to 6. Um, that keeps me pretty busy right there yeah, in and of itself. Absolutely, yes. I am, um, I work hard. So I think that's one of the things that people always say about me. I'm always, I'm always working hard and I work hard no matter what realm that I'm in, be it mom, be it wife, be it, you know, at work. And so that's one of the things I kind of pride myself on. Um, but that's kind of just who I am. I'm, I'm a work hard and I'm a wife and mom. And do you have any hobbies in the middle of that kind of a full life? Do you have anything that you do that's just kind of for you? That's what I'm working on. Um, yeah. <laughs> no, I like, I love to read. I, I love to read. Um, Pearl Klieg is one of my favorite authors of all time. I think I read everything that she puts out. And I love to write. I spend a lot of time um, writing as well. Really? So what what do you like to write? What kind of things? I actually used to operate a blog that was based on ministry and marriage. Um, and I enjoy just emoting in that realm. I like to be an observer. My previous career before I became came to the Department of Correction was that of a journalist. And so I spend a lot of time writing, observing, um, social commentary. Um, a lot of things that just speak to my heart are that, you know, I feel like is a word for someone else that somebody might have that God might have placed on me to share. 
So that's kind of what I write. And that's so incredible, too, to have that kind of observation skills, because in the job that you do, those are, I'm sure those are skills you're using all the time to fine tune them from one place to another is a beautiful, a beautiful thing. Yeah, definitely. You always have to find kind of the the good in whatever's going on. And there's always a nugget of good out there. Absolutely. Well, I know that, you know, one of the things we talked about, one of the reasons I really wanted to have a conversation with you is you're such a woman of influence. You have many people who you are constantly working with. You're influencing. I know just within the prison, many of the inmates, you're a woman of influence in their eyes, as well as so many people who are coworkers. When when you look at your own life, who has been uh, a great influence in your life? My mom. My mom is my number one influence all the time. Uh, my mom, <laughs> I would say, was a school teacher, but is a school teacher. She's retired, I think, like five times now. And keeps coming back to the classroom. Um, my mom has a servant's heart before I even knew what that word was. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've always seen her work really, really hard in the classroom and caring for her students, even when I didn't understand it, because I would be somewhat jealous as a kid, like, you know, you have her all day at the night when I when I want to have my mom. Why are we have to go and give these kids some clothes, or why why are we doing this? And, you know, but my mom was that teacher that would go into your neighborhood if you weren't at school. She'll come find you. You know, she'll come meet with your parents. She didn't care about what neighborhood you were from, was good, bad, or otherwise. She was there to make sure you learned. It was going to make sure your parents understood it as well. And so that's the kind of servant leader that I saw all the time, and that's the kind of servant leader that I aspire to be. And I, you know, I know that because I've seen you many times, obviously, inside the prison context, I know you seek out to make sure certain ladies who are incarcerated are are growing, they're getting what they need. I've watched you do that. So it's really apparent that you have definitely carried that forward uh, in your own personal life. And does that inspire your drive? Because you are one of the most driven women that I know. It does. It does. And and it's not just about, for me, being a servant leader, but... I always say when I meet God, when I die and I get to the gate, I want him to be to say to me, you left nothing on the table. You used it all. Yeah. And for a long time, I think so many people get pigeonholed into, oh, I'm just this or I'm just that. And I think that God gives us so many gifts, a lot of commas that we don't utilize. There are commas in our life and I want to use them all. I don't want to leave any stone unturned in any gift that he's given me because if he's given me the gift to use, and who am I to deny blessing somebody else with it? Right. And so, okay, so when you think about success, all right, because obviously we live in a society that gauges success based on job performance more more than not. But when you look at your own personal definition for success, what are some of those? My success is not tied to material things. Don't get me wrong. I do like material things. Um, but at the same time, my success is not tied to that. My success for me is tied to did I give it my all? Did I hold on to my ethics and did I really make something better? And if I can say yes to those three things, then my day was successful. There are going to be ups, there are going to be downs. There are going to be days you get beat up totally and mentally and are totally spent. But if I can walk away with those three things, I gave it my all. I held on to my ethics. I think that that will really just mean I had a successful day. Even if I'm tired, even if I technically fail, if I can hold on to those things, I think I had a successful day. Man, that's good stuff, Mesa. Seriously, that is good stuff. And when you think about balance, because, you know, a lot of times there's this misnomer that women can can have it all. And really, 
that's really probably not true. Really, we have certain things at certain times. So how do you, and I, I really want us to sit here for a minute, and you talk to me about how you balance between raising four amazing children, being a wife, and working as hard as you do. What are some of the, the principles and the things, some of that practical application things you do to maintain some equilibrium in that busy and full of a life? First of all, I don't believe in balance. So I guess that's there we go. Um, yeah. weird thing. I don't believe in balance. I believe life is like a pendulum. And sometimes you got to be more on one side. And sometimes things will swing to the other side. Mm-hmm. Um, just to be really close to my heart today, um, my husband has cancer. Mm-hmm. And so it's a treatable, beatable form of cancer. So praise God for that. Yes. But I mean, it's still, even though when you're battling cancer, it's always a battle. And today he was very ill. So I had to work from home today while caring for him and he needed me. So there is no question about what do I do? He needed me. And so I'm going to be here for him. Now I'm lucky, lucky enough and blessed enough to have a job that I can technically work from home on days like this where I need to. Um, But then I ran to the grocery store, you know, and I got the kids fed and, and now I'm having an interview with you. Right. Right. I mean, you really have to give just your attention to whatever needs it at that moment and keep it going from there. And that's what I try to do. Wow. Thank you for your time tonight in light of everything you're walking through. And wow. I mean, you know, it's, it's so true. Life is about the pendulum swinging back and forth. And if we get so distracted by the secondary things, I think a lot of us can really spend so much time on the things that don't matter as much. And we miss what's right in front of us now. So that's an incredible uh, word for anyone listening. I'm hearing deeply myself. Uh, And there are always times where I'm just like, I get bogged down in minutia. And I have to stop and say to myself, okay, I can't accomplish all of this today. What do I have to do today? You know, what are the priorities of my day? Because minutia is always going to be there. There's always going to be somebody there vying for your time, vying for your attention, wanting five more minutes. And it's up to us, I think, as mothers and as women, as wives to say, you know what? Today is not your day for that. Let me put you over here and I'll get back to you on that and be okay with saying that. Yeah. And giving yourself permission to be able to be a stopgap when it's something that will be an energy drain and it doesn't need your attention full on right then and there. And that is and I think women are more guilty of this in many ways than men because we are nurturers by nature oftentimes. And we will try to say yes to everyone. Yes, I'll be there. Yes, I'll go to this. Yes, I'll go to that. But a powerful word is no, because Mm -hmm. it allows the greater yes for the things that need your truest. So what are some of the spiritual practices that you have to stay seated in being sensitive to what is now? Well, I attend church. I attend Mount Zion Church. um, And I also find the God in a lot of things. And I know that sounds probably weird. My Favorite, favorite, favorite book of all times is The Color Purple. Mm. And everybody knows The Color Purple from the movie and now from the musical. But in the book, and it's also a scene in the movie, when Suge Avery looks at a field of purple and says, you know, do you see that? God's just trying to get your attention and show you that he loves you in this field of purple. And there's so many little nuggets like that that happen every day that we have to look at and listen to and just be thankful for. And so I... Find that in, I mean, crazy things, YouTube videos and songs and, you know, I'll be driving down the street and, you know, the sun will just shine on me and I'll be thankful for it because 
I needed it right then and there. And just the little things that keep you grounded and make you happy. And when you're spiraling out, when you're spent, when you are, you know, like I said, torn and beat down, those little things you surround yourself with will keep you going. You can't always run to church on Sunday or, you know, wait till Bible study on Wednesday. There are seven days in the week. You got to keep remembering that those little things get you through. Sometimes an ice cream cone for dinner with my kids, but still it's, it's those little things that I'm like, okay, I hear you, God, take a break, you know? Yes. I hear you, God, thank you. Yes. I hear you, you know, and those things keep me going. And that's really living intentionally to keep your eyes wide open. Um, sometimes I know that when we get bogged down with the heaviness of life, oftentimes our eyelids close as well, and we miss it, right. you know? Mm-hmm. And one of the prayers that I have each morning is, don't let me miss it. You know, help help me keep my eyes open so I can see And I think that when you have that kind of view, um, it allows you to be far more sensitive to everything around you. You know, you're taking those moments. Those are the things that we can catch ourselves with. When we look at our society and the way, you know, women are still paid less than men and we we still have challenges as women. And you're raising these beautiful African-American daughters in a culture that still has different ceilings that we need to break through in different ways where we need to be better at listening to each other. So how are you teaching your daughters to be way makers? Well, the number one thing I try to instill in them is that nothing's given to you. You have to work hard for it every day. You have to get up and fight that fight every day, run the race every day. Um, But in saying that, and this is going to sound, I don't know, it's a newer term, but I don't want them to be strong black women. Mm. And there's this whole movement now because strong black women have been the backbone of our communities forever. We pride ourselves on being strong black women. But we were only seen as strong black women, Mm. not allowed to really be carefree, not allowed to be fragile, not allowed to be frail, not allowed to be beautiful. We were just strong black women, these matriarchs, these women who, you know, of course, carry the community, but weren't allowed to be whole. I want them to be whole. So I want them to giggle. I want them to laugh. I want them to be carefree. I want them to define themselves for themselves all the time and still know that whatever you want to be, you can, but you're going to have to work hard for it. So those are the things I try to instill in them. And the fact that they're beautiful. Yeah. They're beautiful. Yes. Like, you know, in a world where that's not always appreciated, they're beautiful. And I want to make sure that they understand that every day and know that every day that they're beautiful and that, and that they are the owners of them. You know, no one else can own them. No one else can, you know, make them do anything. They are the owners of themselves. And being free is powerful in and of itself. Yes. And to be to be the person who defines yourself. But how powerful it is, though, so many children in our society, boys, girls, have parents who aren't intentional about painting on that canvas first. You know, what you paint on your child's canvas is their point of reference in that beginning stages of life as to who they are. You know? Definitely. And... And when you can put those colors of true identity and worth being based on who they are intrinsically as a soul, then you change society. And I think, you know, you know, the, the term strong black women, obviously in our culture, you're right. There has been such a need 
for people to hold together and to almost be the the shoulders everyone climbs upon. And I've heard many amazing women speak of that. But you're right. Now is the time for women to have more than just that one objective for their lives. Right. I don't want them to be one-dimensional. I want them to know that it's okay to be strong. It's okay to be tired. It's okay to be weak. It's okay to be weary. And that, you know what? Yeah, you might hold up the world one day, but somebody else has to hold up you. And that's okay, too. When you're spending time with your daughters uh, and you look at look at the way the world is, what what kind of conversations are you guys having about ways we need to grow as a society, ways that we need to learn, how we need to lean in and listen better? I mean, you know, they're teenagers, so they're on a different pulse than we are. What What's it they like are. for them, you know? Um, it's, it's very tumultuous right now. Yeah. Um, it is. I, I have a 17-year-old who, you know, was very intently watching this election, yes. you know, very, very closely yes. and, you know, and firmly believes that um, that my generation dropped the ball. I mean, she does. She firmly believes we dropped the ball. And but she's also rooted in the fact that her generation is going to get it right, you know, and that whatever she believes, you know what? As soon as she's 18, she's like, I'm ready. I'm ready. And I appreciate that. You know, I I think that that's, that's their banner that they're going to have to carry and, you know, and fix some wrongs. Um, I also love the fact that our conversations are about multicultural, diverse in all kinds of ways um, and that they have an appreciation of it, an understanding of it. And um, but they have a good sense of self. So while they can appreciate and understand and embrace, um, they they don't aren't too easily influenced by it. And I, and I enjoy that because they have a good sense of self. But I'm that mom that asks you the awkward questions all the time. Like, <laughs> I am. I'm the mom that just has a pop quiz about sexual health. And they're like, what, mom? I'm like, I just want to know if you know, you know? Yeah. But I want to make sure that they have all the information that they need and that they can come to me and ask me anything. And I'll give them an honest answer. Nine times out of ten, it's more than they want to know. But we talk about everything. And also, when you see yourself in your kid, for better or for worse, <laughs> I've seen that as well. There have been times I've looked at my daughters and have done something, and I'm like, oh, that was me, and that's not good. <laughs> and it made, me ch- it made me check my own behavior, so therefore I could correct their behavior. Do you find that their generation has a better resilience toward hope instead of cynicism? Are you seeing that in your daughters? Yes. I do. I, I think that, um, they they make fun of each other in in ways that we never would. Like my generation would have been offended by those conversations, mm-hmm. but they they poke fun at their difference. But it's because they're all different. Now I have the advantages of living in South Nashville, which is one of the most diverse portions of the city. I mean, it really is the United Nations in South Nashville, um, and so they've always had friends of different ethnicities, of different backgrounds, um, new citizens to the United States, you know. Um, they've, they've always had this multicultural plethora of friends. And so they're not afraid of difference. And I'm proud that they're not afraid of difference because I think we can get in boxes and make, oh, difference bad. Well, right. no, they see different as good and it's interesting. And, you know, <laughs> it's always been that way. I'll never forget when my oldest came home for school and she was like in first grade. And she says, my friend with a blanket on her head. And I said, what? And she says, 
my friend with a blanket on her head. And I said, what are you talking about? And when I took her to school the next day, I saw her friend. And it was a little Muslim girl. And she was like, you know, she wears a blanket. And that's all she thought about was the fact that she wore a blanket on her head. It wasn't weird. It wasn't strange. She just wears a blanket. And, you know, who doesn't want to wear a blanket sometimes? Right, you know, in right. her mind. But that's the way she's always been. Both of them have always been. And so they have these diverse friends that can bounce ideas off of. And, I, I mean, they're truly better for it. And I think that this next generation of young people, I mean, I, I go to a cafe where there's a lot of youth that are there and I'm listening and I hear, I don't listen. Well, I do listen in when I'm sipping my latte. <laughs> I hear them talking and there's so much passion about connecting. You know, Lady Gaga stood on stage at the Super Bowl and it was such a message about together, come together. And I really believe this next generation of human beings has a deeper sense because they've seen some of the atrocities in a different way. And social media obviously allows, um, you know, for a quicker spread of ideas, a faster generation of, um, you know, hey, let's fix this, let's mend it, how can we work together? And I really sense there's hope and optimism and a desire to be effective for change in our youth. I agree. I agree. But I also have to remind my children and push, you know, the um, them to beyond go beyond armchair activism. Mm, yeah. A hashtag is great for awareness, but then what's next? Right. Take action. You know, yeah. right. You're angry, but then what's next? You know, and, and, and make sure that they're channeling it in appropriate ways and, and doing things that could impact change. I don't want to put a cap on what they decide to do, but at the same time, I want to make sure that they know that a hashtag doesn't change the world. Right, right. The only thing that changes the world is people literally getting up and moving forward and doing something. That's why exactly. we've seen so many people active. No matter what side they're on, I'm seeing a, lo a lot of that movement. And I'm listening to students talk about being a part of a march and the different things that they felt when they were standing around all the other students and, and men and women, especially women, and just how it made them feel, how they wept and they shed tears. And that sensitivity only comes through movement. You're not going to get it sitting looking at your computer screen. Definitely. And they also have to understand, too, that movement isn't always a march. Right. Movement sure. isn't always a hashtag. Movement is really where you are yes. and making those changes in where you are. Yeah, your neighborhood. Like, um, yeah. Exactly. People always say that sometimes you're the only Bible people will ever read. Yes. Well, sometimes you're the only change people see, too. Oh, and true. so if you're living with intention and, and embodying what you want others to embody, then they can see it start to emulate that as well. Now, that right there is a nugget of all nuggets. Um, we are the change people see. We are the only change sometimes people see. And yes, if we can inspire someone else to uh, work in their own lives, to, to emote the things they're seeing in us, yes. I mean, that's what it's about. That's why we're here. I mean, we're really here to help guide one another home while we're trying to figure it out ourselves. Exactly. Well, I, I want to, before we go into the I am's, I want to say this about you. I know you work hard, but I know you are big hearted in your work. And I've watched that. You're also ferocious protector. You are loyal, deeply and profoundly loyal. I have witnessed it firsthand many times. And I just, I admire and I respect you, Nasa. And I wanted just to spend this time with you and just kind of get inside your head. I know that uh, you and I both um, are passionate about helping others and seeing people achieve greatness even after failure. And that drives us both to, to uh, you know, watch women and men rise up in 
in ways to benefit our society after things have been difficult in their lives. Thank you Definitely. for being such an influencer um, and for being such a catalyst for real, genuine change. I admire you and I appreciate you, and I just wanted to, to say that. Well, thank you. Yes. That makes me feel good. Yes. Thank you so much. That's so true. And All right, so I want to hear your I am statements. I, we know that whatever follows our I am really does determine our future. So, Nasa Taylor, what are your three I ams? I am resilient. I am strong. And I am blessed. Yes. And you are, um, you know, you and I both have a book that we love by Jen Sincero uh, called You Are a Badass. I would include that. Yes. I would include that in your statements as well. <laughs> For those who are uh, listening, it, it's an incredible book. If you want to go out and grab it, it, it is an R-rated language book, um, but the content is literally top shelf. And if you need motivation in your life, uh, Jen Sincero, You Are a Badass will provide it, I promise. Um, Definitely. Thank you so much for your time and, and prayers go out for your husband as well for his healing and, and this time in the battle and the journey. Um, and uh, again, you know, wish you all the best as you continue to move forward and raise four amazing children. Thanks for giving us kind of a bird's eye view. I really wanted to focus on girls today and strength, strength for women. Uh, that was the conversation I wanted to have. And we had an amazing one. Thank you so much, Nasa. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening, guys. You can find us on theflypodcast.com. There's a place you can connect with us to submit questions or someone you'd love for me to interview. All of those ways to connect with us, you can find on our website. Go to iTunes, rate and review us. It's the way that we can elevate the conversation to a broader audience. We appreciate you. Thank you. Join the conversation with us and keep listening. 